I love that last song that we were just singing. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, Lord, how I need you. And I hope that you, you believe that truth this morning and that means something to you in your life as well. We have so much to be thankful for in Christ because of all that he's done for us on, this, on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and we have every reason to celebrate him this morning. If you would, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. And if you need a Bible, just slip your hand up. We're going to be looking at a particular passage of Scripture. You just hold your hand up high. We have ushers who would love to put one in your hand. We've got one over here. Anyone else need a Bible? Because we're going to be looking at this. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that with you. Uh, It's our gift to you. If you do have one, just forgot it today. Just leave it there on your chair and our ushers will collect that when the service is over. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. And I've entitled the message this morning, you can see in your bulletin or on the screen, The Soils Revisited. Uh, The more I was in this passage, the more I was seeing the bigger picture of what God was wanting to work into our hearts uh, through this passage. Last week, our focus was on the soils, the seed, the sower went out to sow and scattered seed in verses 13 through 20 is where we find that particular parable. And without the word of God abiding in and taking root in our hearts, our hearts cannot bear fruit. Ultimately, we don't belong to him. And that's the sign of someone who belongs to him that they are bearing fruit in their life. And it's interesting when you look at these verses of this parable, it doesn't really explain to you what makes the soil good. It only explains what makes it bad, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, tribulation, persecution, choking out that word, Satan who comes in. But Rob helped us understand a a very important point that we must hear intently. God has delivered a message to us not everybody's gonna see. And he even brought out that hymn, Veiled in Flesh, the Godhead see. The way Christ emerges into this world is not what anyone expected. For the Messiah to come, they wanted a ruler to rule and reign, to establish his kingdom. They didn't understand the Isaiah 53 part of this Messiah who was going to come and go to the cross and die, be born in a stable, die on a cross, not what you would expect. But God has appeared. He has brought his message. And throughout this chapter, there is a particular focus on listening. And and Rob was able to help us see some of those last week. Verse 3, listen. So before Jesus even tells his parable of the sower, he calls him to listen. In verse 9, he says uh, something that we see in our passage today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I would even add verse 13, which says, do you not understand this parable? In other words, don't you hear what I'm saying? Listen up. And then today in our passage, we see it twice again in verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. There's a focus on listening. And Rob was encouraging us last week to listen intently to the Lord. And I want to begin today with a question. What did your week look like? In what ways did you listen more intently? In what ways did you find yourself opening up the Bible more because you wanted to give space for God to speak so that you could hear his voice, so you could listen intently? Uh, recently, I've been going through First and Second Kings 
And I just read slowly through. Sometimes I tarry in various passages and then I just start all over and I go through it again. For some reason, the Lord impressed on my heart a while back to go to First and Second Kings. And my focus was going to be very specific. I wanted to pay close attention to the disaster of kings' lives who walk away from the Lord. Because the Lord was just, just really laying on my heart, I want to finish well. And part of that is to look at how people finish poorly. Solomon's one of the most perplexing kings in the Bible, wisest man of all time in the way his heart turns away from the Lord. I want to listen intently to what God's word has to say. And I have to bring space to that in my life. New City Catechism which we're focusing on and it's been the focus of our worship and song this morning. What are we trying to do? We're trying to give space for families, individuals to consider theological truths, questions, answers, looking at scripture, listening to videos. This this last week, an excellent video by John Piper. I'm talking about glory and the image. It was beautiful. A little bit of commentary, prayers that they have there. What are we trying to do? We're trying to listen intently to what is being said in God's word. And our passage today is going to help us, I think, a little bit more with this idea of listening intently to what the Lord has to say. What, and especially in understanding what good soil is. Soil is good soil is soil that hears and receives, but then also responds to the message of God's word. Let me read our verses and then I'm going to pray. And then we'll work our way through it. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Lord, once again, we gather as a body of believers, and we want to listen intently. And there are many things going on in our lives that could rob our attention, that could cause us to spend this time thinking about other things. Lord, in your mercy, would you draw our hearts in and help us to hear the message that you would have for us? Lord, I pray that we would not be like Pharisees who understood that these things were not for them, who missed the point often of what Jesus was saying and who were blinded to these truths. Lord, in your mercy, would you open our hearts to receive, to hear, and that you would do a work in our lives to the honor and glory of your great name. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna find in our passage today uh, basically two parables. In verses 21 to 23, we're gonna see the parable of the lamp And we want to try to understand what that means. And then in verses 24 and 25, the parable of the measure. So let's look at the first parable here, the parable of the lamp. Jesus asks a question. He begins here. It's a rhetorical question. He's not expecting an answer. The answer is implied. He's not waiting for a response for them. 
And there's actually really two parts of this question. And the way that Jesus asks the question, there's already an implied answer. And the way it's constructed in the Greek, the first part of that question has to do with the lamp brought in. Do you bring a lamp in and put it under a basket or under a bed? In other words, what do you do with a light? Do you, do you cover it up? And the way Jesus asks this question is the answer that's expected is, well, no, no, you don't do that. But then there's a second part of the question. He continues with, and not on a stand. And again, the way he continues this question, asking it an, another way, uses another Greek ex- ex- expression or construction that expects a yes answer. Of course you would. It's interesting in Luke eleven thirty three, Jesus uses the same imagery and actually answers his own question. He says, no one... You just don't do this. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket. Duh, you don't do that. But on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. And that no one expression is very similar to what we saw back in Mark chapter 2 when Jesus says, no one takes new wine and puts it into old wineskins. You just don't do that. No one takes a new cloth and sews it onto an old shrunken cloth. You just don't do that. No one takes this lamp and puts it, keeps it hidden, puts it under something. The point that Jesus is making is really simple for us. Light is intended to break darkness so that one can see. There's a purpose to light. There's an intent to light. I think I told you once before about when I was in college, I found this abandoned coal mine. And recently, I was driving down a highway in Birmingham when we were back on our trip there a couple weeks ago, and I saw this same spot. I I can still see the spot on the side of the road where if you just go up through that fence, the hole's still there in the fence, you can crawl through that, and there's this abandoned coal mine. And we began taking um, students down there and let them see the coal mine. It had a lot of passageways in it. But there was a problem one day, and that is we got lost. I mean, many passageways going through there and we were lost and to make the problem even worse, our flashlight batteries began to go dead. And finally, they were just gone. And I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of darkness before, but it is frightening, especially when you're underground and you have no idea where the hole is out. Now, if all of a sudden you were to come in with some kind of lamp, um, we would not, quick, cover it up. Who wants light? No, we wanted light big time bad at that point in time. And perhaps you've been in situations like that and that's the point that Jesus is saying. Light has a purpose. Light is actually needed. So light is not useful when it's covered up. It has a purpose. So to hide the lamp in this kind of way, whether it be under a basket or under a bed, the light would not be what it means to be a light. You put it on the table. But Mark has a deeper point that he's trying to make. Jesus is going to use this everyday reality about light that hopefully people can identify with. And he's going to get at a deeper issue. And it's going to involve what are people doing with his presence, this breaking into the kingdom, this word of God that is coming. And I want to make a few points about the lamp that I think are important for us to understand. In other uses of this same saying, and we find it in other gospels, 
Nowhere do we find all of these sayings of Jesus in one context. Luke 18 gets close. It's still missing one of them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But they're scattered all over in different contexts. And everywhere else it's used, the lamp is the object. But here, Mark strategically makes it the subject. You might even want to write this in your Bible. The English Standard Version says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket. Just the most literal Greek translation that I could come up with would be something along the lines of, does the lamp come? Does the lamp come? Making it very clear a number of things about this lamp. Number one, it's, it's being used as a metaphor, and we find this throughout the Bible. Mark seems to be making that point here. In the Old Testament, lamp is used as a metaphor, and you can see this on the slide. For God, in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, you are my lamp, O Lord. Okay, the Lord is being referenced even as being the lamp. It's also used for the Messiah in 2 Kings 18, 8.19. Um, instead of you know, Judah being done away with, God's gonna continue his work with them since he promised to give a lamp to him. Ultimately, this Messiah that was gonna come. And actually, that's what we see taking place in Mark. God is giving this lamp to Judah. The Messiah is here. The Messiah has come. And then also it could be used for the Torah, Psalm 119, 105, a passage that many of us would be familiar with. The word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Used as a metaphor. And is Mark doing that here as well? And I think he is. The lamp here is Jesus. What are people doing with Jesus? Jesus comes to bring light. This is a message that God wants to reveal to people and it's a message of light. But notice also what Mark has done. He also uses the definite article here. Does the lamp come? This is a particular lamp. Again, I think encouraging the fact that we could be talking about Jesus here. In John 1, John the Baptist says, I'm not the light. I came to bear witness of the light, the one who's coming after me. Jesus boldly proclaims in John 8, 12 and 9, 5, I am the light of the world. He even uses this metaphor for himself. And then third thing that Mark does is he uses this word comes. And this is, could be true, could not be true. Does the lamp come? And this is a word that's being used for Jesus throughout Mark as well. I remember even back in Mark chapter one where I was preaching through those first verses in verse seven and he preached saying, after me comes he, this one who is coming, that's the message of Mark and Jesus has come. Jesus is breaking onto the scene and now we get to this part of the book and we find Jesus saying, does the lamp come to be hidden? No, to be put on a table. And so God is revealing a deeper point at this point. The focus of this peril is on revelation, especially the revelation of Jesus. Jesus bringing in the kingdom into the darkness of this world. It is not to be hidden from sight. This is true life. This is what it's all about. This is what people need to see. So the parable of the lamp affirms that God's purpose is not to cover the light, but to manifest it to all. The Messiah is here. And Jesus, even in these early chapters of Mark, has already been manifesting the signs that are to produce belief. He does a sign, and everything about that sign should cause people to point to Jesus and say, Messiah, you are the one. You are the one who was promised to come. He's been doing this out in the open, in the public. People are getting ticked off 
Rather than seeing him as the Messiah, they're getting ticked off. They want to do away with him already. You see, the seed is being scattered. And the point of the previous parable in verses 13 through 20 is what are people doing with the seed? Where is that seed landing? And more specifically, the message of Jesus, that who's to be breaking into this darkness. Do they receive it? Do they hold on to it? God's plan is now being fulfilled. The promises of all time, what everyone needs, the hope of the nations in Jesus. And what are people doing with that message? In John 1, in verses 1 through 14, John's gospel gives us a picture of that. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It is manifesting. Verse five, six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The light has come. It's being manifest in the world. And in Mark's days, there was a rejecting of that truth, and even today, there's a rejecting of that truth. But this is the most precious message we possibly could ever proclaim. What a privilege to stand up here and talk about Jesus. What a privilege to gather here and sing about Jesus. This is Super Bowl Sunday. There's a lot of people that live for sports, die for sports. Their world is sports. I love this past week, an assistant coach for the Seattle Seahawks, Rocky Seto, said this. Could we emphasize that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer and that he's the greatest treasure in the entire universe. Jesus is better than the Super Bowl. That's a simple point to make. But think about just how Super Bowls in our world can capture our attention. We can live for these things and we miss out on the fact that the light has come, the light of the world where we get life. God has revealed his message to us and it must be heard. It must be everything to us. It must be central to everything we do. It really is to draw our eyes to him, all eyes on him. The seed is being scattered. What are we doing with it? Revelation. So Jesus is crying out, listen, listen. So in light of the soil of the parables, listen up. Listen up, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The lamp is manifesting light. Let these words come into your ears and down into your hearts, all eyes on God. Once after I preached a sermon, I had someone coming up to me who was, I mean, very much was intending uh, to be apologetic. And I'll never forget, 
the way the words landed on me, he came to me and he said, nice speech. Now, that struck me as odd um, because it just, it just felt strange for the moment. I didn't want it to be a nice speech. You see, when we proclaim the word of God, no matter whether we do a good job or a poor job of doing it, we are opening up God's word and we are proclaiming eternal truths. Not truths that we sit there and turn upside down and critique and that, you know, do, 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 do. we are to listen. We are to hear. We are to receive. We are to cling to what God is saying. We want to make sure that the, the word, the seed that's being scattered is falling on the good soil of the heart, being received, being clung to, nothing distracts from it. Again, all eyes on him. And so Rob had given us some closing um, applications last week about how to let the word in deep. And I love the way he used the word fight all the way through here. Fight to adore the preciousness of the word. Fight to orient my life around the word. Fight to prepare myself for worship. Fight to listen well to preaching. Fight to respond to the word. Fight to dwell on the word, to read the word well, to let the word read me. You gotta fight for this. Why? Because we wanna be good soil that's receiving so that fruit is being born. This passage would, could be so easy for us just to gloss over. Oh, we've heard the parable of the sower. Maybe you've heard it millions of times. Maybe it's the first time last week you heard it. It would be so easy for us to gloss it over and assume we have good soil in our heart. But Jesus is trying to make a point, and we're going through Mark, and I think God wants to get our attention. And I don't know what that means for you, but when God's word is proclaimed, it is to be received as the treasure that it is. It is life-giving. And we must cling to it. It must have control, total control of our life. In James chapter 1 and verses 22 to 25, James says, be doers of the words, not hearers only. Don't just hear, but somehow as we hear God's word, it ought to translate into doing. Don't be like one who looks in a mirror and then walks away and forgets. Be one who looks intently at God's word and you hear intently so that it works its way into your heart so that some transformation is taking place. It's so easy for us to let the word just continue to go by. See, the message can be rejected. The light is shining, but the message can be rejected. What is the soil of your heart? We also have a second parable here that I think can help us in understanding the soil of our heart, beginning in verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Again, we see that, that emphasis, pay attention. Listen up. We've seen that throughout the passage. Jesus wants us to hear what is being said. And the parable contains both a promise and a warning and exhorts those who read this passage, those who hear, those who hear these words, how they can listen and how they can respond to the word. And the light. See, truth is being proclaimed. One must be careful about listening. We've got to get it into our hearts. And so here, it's, what it's saying is the one who rejects this, snubs this, pushes it away, marginalizes it, hears it, but doesn't let it get in, has everything to lose. And the one who receives, who risks faith, who hears what God's word says and does whatever it takes to actually live this out in life, he has everything to gain. 
You see, there's a promise and a warning here. The focus in this particular parable is different than what we saw with the lamp. That's on revelation. The light is shining. But this one is on response. What do we do with that? The parable of the measure refers to the ways people respond to the light. God is the one who's revealing and he is the one who measures. As I was working my way through this passage, the most difficult verse to deal with was 24. I mean, if you remember that verse at all in the New Testament, you would think Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged for by the measure and it fits so much better in that context. I wasn't certain exactly how to do, what to do with this verse in this context. And the best help I could get out there was simply, God is the one who measures. So that's what I'm sticking with. God is the one who measures. And so we must be careful then how we listen, how we listen to this truth. You see, there's a certain saying that we use. The poor get poorer and the rich get richer. That has a spiritual application in our lives as well. That's what's being said here. Those who do not listen well lose everything they might have gained. And those who do listen well will have increased understanding of God's purposes and the life that he's offered to us. You see, at a church like Grace, we are in great danger Because I believe the word is being proclaimed here week after week after week. I believe that we open up God's word and we faithfully expound what is being taught in God's word. And we can be in danger of just hearing but it not having any impact on our life. We can be in danger of it just going in one ear and out the other. And here this parable says, Those who snub it, it lands on their ears but not on their hearts are in danger of losing even what they have. But there's a promise for us. Those of us who stay the course and keep on listening as intently as we can, receiving, seeking to live, trying to translate that into everyday life, the promise is you will receive. You will receive More will be given to you. More will be given to you. You see, the point here is to pay attention and listen well will lead to an abundant life now, even eternal life to come. To not pay attention will lead to an impoverished life, even eternal death to come. And as I I wrote those words down, my, my mind really zeroed in on the words impoverished life. You see, being in Christ does not mean the absence of tribulation, the absence of difficulty, the absence of struggle, but what it does mean is the presence of peace even in the midst of that, the presence of joy even in the midst of that. And there are so many people, I think even in the church today, not just talking about grace, but just just church, just relationships with other Christians who are living an impoverished life impoverished and I wonder if there's something in this parable that we might need to listen to we've got the parable of the lamp we've got the parable of the measure revelation has come how are we responding to it so let's connect this with the parable of the seeds again what are we doing with the word of God what kind of soil 
is there in our heart. Last week, we, we looked at the beaten path listener, which Rob called neglectful hearing, and the rocky ground listener, which he called shallow or superficial hearing, the thorny ground listener, which he called Jesus and. I want Jesus and, you fill in the blank, hearing. The beaten path listener, those who reject the message, just don't listen to it. Just in one ear, out the other is the idea there. You hear, but Satan steals it. There's no room for any growth. There's no response, no fruit. The rocky ground listener, those who turn to Jesus, perhaps as a quick fix to their problems, perhaps Jesus can get me out of my mess, but then they turn away when life gets mad, in other words, or gets tough. In other words, you hear the word with joy, but no root. There's a little bit of fruit, positive response, but then difficulties consume you. The thorny ground listener, Jesus and hearing, those who, whose life gets entangled in making money and having the best things in life, you hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things choke God's message and it doesn't bear fruit. Other things become way more important. It's all this over here. All eyes are not on God. It's on all this stuff in our world that consumes us, that distracts us. Other opportunities distract you and receive your attention. There's a warning for these soils. Pay attention to what you hear. God is measuring. For, for, for from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Further truth is veiled. I had a student come into my office this past week. And the student had a concern. The concern was she claimed to be opening up God's word and trying to read it. She was, was wanting God to do something in her life, but it seemed meaningless to her. It just seemed like it was empty and she wanted some help. Well, I didn't know her, so I began to ask her questions about her life a little bit. Then I asked about her friends. Who do you hang out with? And I saw her head go down. I didn't know what to do with that. So I said, well, tell me what you did Friday night. And the tears began to come. And she just began to weep. And we began to explore a little bit of the parts of her life. And I, and I saw right in front of me being played out perhaps what this is all about. The soil of her heart was just distracted away from God. And she was just trying to throw God in just a little bit and hoping that something could happen. And God could do something, couldn't he? God could. In his mercy, he could do something. But as long as all this soil, she's just distracted by the deceitfulness of riches, her desire to be popular, hanging out with people who are in rebellion to God, who pull her own heart away. As all this is going on in her life, it gives Satan the opportunity to steal it. You see the parable? He can steal that word. She can sow all she wants and Satan can just steal it out of there. Or she might even hear with joy, but because there's no root, then some tribulation and persecution comes her way and she just turns away from God. Or she hears it, but then the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire of other things could choke it and then it would prove to be unfruitful. And the more rebellion, the more that that's there in her life, little by little, what she even has is taken away. That's a warning of this passage. Pay attention to what you hear. And don't just give God one little corner of your life. You give him everything, all eyes on him. And all that we know about him, we allow that to be lived out in our life. 
But there's that other soil, the good soil listener, which Rob called the kingdom and fruitful hearing. It grows roots. It remains alive. It bears fruit. You hear the word. You cling to it. You set your mind on it. You faithfully walk in the truths, and it bear fruits, bears fruit. And that's where we see the promise lived out. Pay attention to what you hear. God is measuring. For the one who has, more will be given and further truth will be revealed as we stay the course and hide the word in our heart and commit ourselves to live it. God will continue in his mercy to give us more and more and more. But the warning is this. If we take it lightly, if we just let it glance off of us, if we just hear it and it goes nowhere else, it doesn't get down into our hearts, the warning here, even what you have, will be taken away. And I think that's a warning we all need to hear. We all need to be sobered by what Jesus is trying to teach here as he proclaims the message to the people around him. But there's one last important theological point that I think we have to underscore. Perhaps we all have all four soils in a room like this. I would imagine we do. Perhaps some of you are good soil. You're kingdom fruitful hearers. You're good soil listeners. You hear God's word. You receive it. You hide it in your heart. It's affecting the way you live. All eyes on him. Perhaps it might be easy for you to puff your chest out and say, I got my stuff together. What's wrong with everyone else? Our eyes need to very carefully go to chapter 4, verse 11. And he said to them, to you, it has been given. If you're a good soil heart, to you, it has been given. To you, it has been given. You, don't, you, t- you take no credit for this. All glory goes to God for any work that his word has done in our hearts. We say thank you, Jesus. For any manifestation of fruit in our lives, we say thank you, Jesus. All glory, all praise, all honor goes to him. But these parables also want to emphasize that human responsibility of what kind of listeners we are. What are you doing with Jesus in the message of God's word? Not do you go to church. Not do you listen to sermons, but does God's word get down into your heart? Not do you do a Bible reading plan and check the box every day, but somehow that word is working its way down in your heart where you're hiding that word. You're clinging to it daily. You believe it is your life. That's why we do things like fighter verses or New City Catechism. We're trying to get you to cling to the word so that it can get to your heart, affect your life, and then you can be living it. And as you do that, as you bear fruit, more will be given to you. More will be given to you. I loved the catechism for this week, and my family was laughing at me by the time we got to the end of the week because the second part of that answer, I just, I got into the habit of saying, and it is right and I would just beat the table. It is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. It is right that we should. 
Well, how do we get there? We listen intently. And as we listen, we bear fruit. And as we continue down that path, more and more is given to us. And we receive joy and God receives glory. Let's bow our heads. I'm gonna have some Grace Group shepherds come forward. Grace Group shepherds, if, we, if you could just come forward to the front, just several of you. We have our shepherds come forward because some of you may wanna pray with someone after hearing God's word. But we encourage prayer all over this room. Some of you might wanna pray silently. Some of you might wanna just tap the person next to you and say, would you pray for me or can I pray for you? Or you might wanna come forward to one of these shepherds and say, I need prayer, would you pray for me? We want you to be shepherded during this time. In other words, we wanna make sure that we're listening intently. That's why we have this time, so that we're listening intently. So I'm gonna begin us in prayer and then I'm gonna let you continue to pray and then Walt's gonna lead us in a song. Lord, would you help us today? We wanna be good listeners. Would you help us to hear the message of your word and Holy Spirit, would you move in each of our hearts now and, and teach us whatever it is that we need to learn for your namesake, for your glory and for our joy. I just ask you to continue in prayer.